So I didn't watch much college basketball this year, but I do know two people who did. They're here to break it down for you. I'm here to facilitate next on The Dime. You are now listening to The Dime with Josh Rodriguez, your weekly go-to podcast for all things NBA. Subscribe on iTunes or listen every week on thedimepodcast.com. And now, your host, Josh Rodriguez. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Dime. This is an NBA draft special. New year, new players. I got two analysts today talking about what the 2018 NBA draft means for the rest of the league. You can follow The Dime on Twitter at The Dime NBA. Give the show five stars on iTunes and please leave a comment or review saying how much you love the podcast. Call to The Dime hotline and leave a question or comment to be aired on the show. That's 805-826-3463. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in Dime history, I have two guests. First, he's a co-host of mine, 10-Minute Drill Heard, on the Ford Mile Podcast Network. And we have our own fantasy football podcast, The Flex. Please welcome to the show, AJ Kelly. What's up, man? Josh, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me on it's, again. It's good, man. I feel like I'm doing a starting lineup right now because I have someone else to introduce to you. He's a producer for NBC Sports and the former co-host of mine and AJ's on the Mega League podcast, Reunited. Please welcome to the show, six-time sports Emmy Award winner, Josh Beltry. What's going on, guys? It's good to get the band back together again, man. This is awesome. I love this. It's been so long. It's been a long time coming. The Meg League. Are you guys doing the Mega League this year? Not sure yet. I don't know. Kind of. I'm not sure. I'm kind of burned out on football, to be honest with you, after working it and doing fancy <laughs> for the past five years. So I haven't decided yet. I'm what about up, you, AJ? I'm still up for grabs. You know, push comes to shove, I'm probably going to end up sending in that payment deposit a few weeks before. <laughs> You know, right before draft time, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it off until the last minute right now, but I'll probably end up doing it. All right, sounds good, but we're talking NBA basketball. The NBA awards are tonight. We're recording right before it. You guys have two different opinions on the rookie of the year. I just kind of want you guys to debate it really quick because it's hilarious reading it in our group chat, and I think people who are listening to the show should hear the argument as well. So who wants the floor first? I'll give it to AJ first. All right, I'll take it. I'll, I'll dive right in here. It's the... My arguments for Ben Simmons, if you listen to Josh's the dime episode that I was on earlier, we did a little bit of this before, but it's the argument I've been making all year. When your lead argument is that the other candidate isn't actually a rookie, that's all that needs to be said for the other candidate. That just means that he's a better candidate than that when your argument isn't the play. Granted, I will be I'm gonna be straightforward here. If it extended into the playoffs, Donovan Mitchell wins this award, but it's a regular season award, and for that reason, Ben Simmons is taking it home tonight. All right, Josh, your turn. Um, so it's going to sound like a lame argument. I, I do think Ben Simmons is going to win tonight. I would not vote for him. Um, my argument is simply, I think it's a pretty simple argument. Like, it's not like LeBron James going to win rookie, rookie of the year tonight because he wasn't a rookie. I think the same argument goes for Ben Simmons. It's his second year in the NBA, whether he played or not last year, that's, you know, he got hurt. He could have came back. Sixers held him out. In my opinion, Donovan Mitchell is a first year player. That's a rookie. Um, you saw his sweatshirt. I understand that <laughs> there is a precedent, which AJ has brought up before, which is a very good point with Blake Griffin. Um, I He's disagree with that as well. And Sorry, because of the <laughs> and because of that precedence, it allows for Ben Simmons to win tonight. But you know, in my opinion, I think it's a big edge being in the league a year, even without playing, that Donovan Mitchell did not have because he is a true rookie. 
All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe Donovan Mitchell shocks the world a little bit. I'm sure that Simmons is going to win, though, because they did vote before the playoffs, right? Yes. Which is so stupid. Now the award show is like three months after the season ended, it feels like. Yeah. It's all about it, those dollar bills, AJ. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the NBA draft. With the first pick of the draft, the Suns selected DeAndre Ayton of Arizona. Now, I fully don't know much about anybody in this draft. I'm leaving it up to you guys to tell me. Good pick, bad pick. What do you expect from DeAndre Ayton and his role now with the Suns? Josh, we'll oh. start with you. Yeah, so for my always take with the draft is like with all these guys, they're obviously all really talented players. It just it's all on fit, the right team, the right coaching scheme. You know, Kawhi Leonard doesn't end up on the Spurs. Who knows if he's an MVP candidate? So like when we talk about this, it's all about the fit. We might not like the players. Like I know AJ feels the same way about this, but like we may not like certain players, but at the same time, if they go in the right situation, they can still be good. With Aiton, like physically, if you look at him, guy's a monster considering he's you know 18, 19 years old. Um, he has all the tools. Offensively, he's a really gifted player. I personally think Luka Doncic might end up being the best player in this draft. I understood why Phoenix took him because Aiden has the chance to be like a revolutionary big man, which you don't necessarily get a whole lot of these days, and he could change the game and be what they need because they need someone behind uh, Booker to play some defense. That is the problem, though. I don't know if Aiden plays defense. If you watched him in the tournament, he got torched by Buffalo in pick and roll. And that's the thing with him. Like he didn't put up a whole lot of blocks and steals for his size and athleticism, which is a big worry for someone like that. Like everyone was hating on Marvin Bagley, and I was one of those lead people for his lack of defense. Aiton was better, but not by a whole lot. So I'm not sure why he was, you know, unanimous and everyone's like, you know, Heat Suns have to take this guy. Well, I think he has a really good chance to be a good pro. It all relies on his defense, as Joel Embiid had tweeted uh, when he saw the comparison to him. AJ, what do you think? I agree. I think this is a slam dunk pick, and I think you're going to get a lot of slam dunks from DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. I mean, this is what they had to do. Like you said, when you get a seven foot guy that's seven foot, 250, pushing 260 pound guy, he revolutionizes like the big man position. But the thing that gives me concern is you saw it from the top five or six guys in this draft. They were all centers. And what did we just see happen to centers in the NBA playoffs throughout the regular season? We saw like these centers don't get to be guys, but I think Phoenix took him because one hometown kid from Arizona. He had, they took him like that, but I Doncic's foreign coach is now a coach is now a coach on the Phoenix Suns coaching staff. Correct. I believe that's okay. Yeah. So that was what made me think a little bit Doncic, but I think this, I think they had to take eight in. I think you need to really get an anchor on that position. You know, they took guys uh, the past few years, they took, They've, they've had Alec, their big guys are Alex Len, Dragon Bender. They still have Tyson Chandler. So they needed that anchor down low. And I think they might be, they might be looking at something. They still have Devin Booker, but Tyler Ewis, I don't think is going to be their point guard of the future. So they're really, that point guard is position is what they really need to hammer down. But the, look at the top prospects. The point, there was no point guard really that you can say, okay, this is a slam dunk worth taking number one right now. Doncic is more of a, Doncic is a combo guard, but I think they wanted, they might want a pure point guard for that team. So I think they had to go with Aiton. All right, sounds good. Now, for the number two pick, the Kings selected Marvin Bagley. And I'll just admit, I saw Marvin Bagley play in the Drew League last year, and I was like, this kid is NBA-ready right away. And then I saw him play at Duke, and I wasn't as impressed. And Josh, you're a Duke fan. Were you impressed with him, or is it the feeling that I have? Is that you know something that is across, you know, NBA landscape. Like, what's so, going on with Marvin Bagley? Why was I not impressed with Marvin Bagley? Like, like I was impressed with him at the Drew League. 
So he's super. He, he's one of the most athletic players, and for his size that I've seen. And like I said, I watched almost every Duke game this year, and he was by far the most frustrating player to watch. Um, we'll talk about Wendell Carter later, but I actually liked him a lot more, both as a college player and then as a prospect, because I just felt like he's a safer pick. Bagley to me is gonna, and he went to the worst possible location for me with the Kings because he needs to be in a place that has. Like a Marcus Saul, I thought the Grizzlies would have been a really great pick for him. He would have had a great career then because he could have played. He could have played the four. Gasol could have still spaced the floor, but played defense. Because Bagley's right. big thing is he can't. He he literally cannot play defense. They went to a two-three zone, and I've never seen. And like he has a motor, which most of the time doesn't make sense because you hear people with a, has a motor. Defense is usually about trying. He lacked basketball awareness on the defensive side of the floor. Offensively, he like he's left-handed dominant. And only finishes that way, but he was great with it. And like rebounding, all that stuff. He was awesome on the offensive floor. Free throws, he was kind of iffy on. But like you can look past all that because he was just a monster. Defensively, he constantly looked lost. You know, whether it was in the pick and roll or his zone where he just like was a step behind. It seemed like his instincts were off. I mean, he like averaged less than a block per game, you know, with that athleticism. And his wingspan's not great, but um, I think he's going to end up being a, a great stats, bad team guy. Probably have a have a long NBA career, but I don't think he's going to amount to anything besides that. AJ, what do you think of Bagley? This is I, everything Josh just said. I completely agree with. I don't know if he cannot. I don't know if he can't play defense or if he just doesn't want to. But that's the glaring weakness on him. This is where if I was the Kings, I would have. I thought Doncic would have fit their team really well. I thought they could have gone with him, which arguably should have gone with him because you have that pure point guard. They have a few big guys that they've been stacking. You know, the last few years they took Harry Giles. So who knows what he's going to pan out to be? He didn't see. I don't. Th- he'll be a rookie next year, Josh. Maybe he'll win Rookie of the Year too. He didn't see any minutes this year. That's correct. He he sat out the year. He's also going to be a false rookie. So maybe so. They, but they have Harry Giles. They have Willie Cauley Stein. They have these. They have Scalabrini here. So now they got two Duke and two Kentucky bigs. So Bagley's gonna like Josh said. He's athletic. He is capable of stepping out and knocking down jump shots, but it's just the defensive end is a glaring weakness. And maybe they they're thinking, okay, if they pair him with. Willie Cauley Stein, put Cauley Stein at the five and Bagley at the four. You take all your defense from Cauley Stein with the blocks and everything that he brings, blocks, rebounds, and then you count on Bagley on the offensive end. But they don't yeah. space the floor. That's what they, the only shooter they have is Buddy Heald, really, on their team. Yeah, and that's why, like, I, like, Doncic to me, like, and it's funny because leading up to the draft, like, up until a couple days before, that's who everyone thought was going to. Um, and if you look, like, on online, like, all Kings fans, like, everyone thought, that was a good pick because Doncic and Josh will appreciate this. He makes everyone on the team better when he plays. He's super unselfish. He's gr- a awesome passer, has awesome vision, and he's super competitive. Like we'll talk about him in a bit, but like I don't understand why the Kings didn't pick him because he's a guy who can make your entire team better. Marvin Bagley, um, you know, Dan Dockich called him out and again when they played uh, on Duke last year about how he's like this guy just plays for himself. And I'm not saying that was the case, but it certainly looked that way at times on Duke last year. That, you know, there'd be a guy open and he would shoot it. Like he'd have a chance to kick it out and he would shoot. It. Like it's like given those two choices, I don't know how you pick the guy that doesn't just make the whole team better. All right. Sounds good. Now let's move on to the number three selection with the Hawks. This is when the draft got a little bit interesting. They selected Luka Doncic and then they traded him to the Mavericks for Trey Young, which is interesting. So let's talk about Trey Young since that's who the Hawks grabbed. He's one of the most polarizing players in the draft, if not the most polarizing player in the draft. I watched him play a couple of times. Um, I personally don't think he's going to be that great of a point guard, but a lot of people do think he has a high ceiling, 
even being compared compared to Steph Curry, which to me is insane. AJ, where do you fall on Trey Young? I'm not on the Trey Young bandwagon. Like you said, everyone fell in love with the Steph Curry comparison and everything like that. But let, like you said, get one thing straight. He's not Steph Curry. He's not going to be Steph Curry. I am firmly on board with the fact that I think Colin Sexton is going to be way better than Trey Young coming at, coming out of this draft as the point as point guards. Atlanta really just love this guy. You know, they were, they were ready to do away. They're in full rebuild mode. They're doing away with Dennis Schroeder, who I think is a promising. He's still young point guard. I really like the way Dennis Schroeder plays. I think he's one of those guys, maybe not Luka Doncic's level, but makes the rest of the team better. And the Hawks were abysmal last year, and Schroeder was kind of a bright spot, I guess you could say. So they were quick to get away from him. They get Trey Young now, and now – they're just going to count on him for offense. And defensive teams in the NBA are going to get physical with him. You're going to get guys like Patrick Beverly, who we saw do with Lonzo yeah. Ball, said, I'm going to come into this game and, and it's going to be my job to make your life hell. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take, I'm going to guard you the entire length of the court and you're not going to get off those 35 footers, which you lived and died on at times at the college level. Josh, are you on the eight, uh, the Trey Young bandwagon? So it's, I'm not, I'm like halfway on it. I'm not on it in terms of the hype that I think he's like the, the Steph Curry comparisons are unfair to Trey Young. Like I understand that he shot from far away and Steph Curry made that popular. Like Steph's a transcendent shooter who never shot below 39% from the three point line. Trey Young's never shot over that in his high school or college career. So like you got to pump the brake on that. I do think that his teammates were awful in Oklahoma. If you watch some of the games, like he made awesome passes that guys would have point back layups and they would just miss them. So I think he's got great vision. I think he, I mean, he's super scrawny. He needs to get stronger. He weighs like a buck 80 at six, three, which shows that he's going to toss around the NBA for a while, but I'm not sure I like him this high. I thought he'd probably be better in like the eight to 12 range, because I think he's a good player in a system. Like you're not going to be like Trey young, go get me a bucket. You're going to use him to space the floor to set up other sets. And that's why the Hawks who's building their team is a former warriors. I can't remember his name right now. And he's basically like this pick, the pick later in the first round that they did. Yeah. Um, Hoiter, I don't even remember to say his name, from uh, Maryland, I believe. And then Spellman, like they're basically trying to make like a Warriors light. Obviously, it's no comparison. Everyone's trying to make a comparison. But his point, you need shooting on the floor in the NBA. Trey Young is the best shooter in this draft. Like a lot of the shots he took were contested. If you give him open shots, he will make them. And I think in coach, like I think, I think he's going to have an NBA career because he can shoot. As even Buddy Heald right now is going to have an NBA career because he can shoot the ball. So I think he's going to have it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd trade Luka Doncic for him. Yeah, I thought that it was. I thought the trade was a great one for the Mavs. Uh, I'm not. I wasn't sold on the Hawks for it because I think three is just too high for Trey Young. Yeah, they must have saw something in him when he worked out with them that made him believe that he's you know maybe not the next Steph Curry, but you know. These workouts, I mean, maybe he was just feeling it that day. That's the only I mean, thing I could think of because I did not think uh, going It's so annoying, though. Workouts, it's you against no one. It's an empty gym. I would yeah. hope these kids can make shots when no one's guarding them. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. All right, let's move on to the Grizzlies. They take Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. We're entering the part of the draft, and I know it's early, where I have not seen any of these players. Like, I literally did not see a second of Jaron Jackson this year. So who wants to take this one and tell me what to expect from Jaron Jackson? <laughs> selected by the Grizzlies um so Jaron Jackson and it's funny because he went to Michigan State and he basically played out of position all year in terms of where he would have been best fit in college 
Um, Michigan State, they played him at the four with Miles Bridges at the three because they wanted to show – and Miles Bridges wanted to show everyone he could play the small forward position when really Jackson should have been the five, Bridges the four, and Michigan State would have probably dominated all year. Um, really uncharacteristic by Tom Izzo to kind of miss coach all year. Um, but he only played like 20 minutes a game too, so it was very limited minutes. And I'm always worried of that because, you know, these guys, they're only playing like – and people talked about a lot of Jason Tatum this year – they're playing like max 40 games a season, not a lot of minutes. And then you go into an NBA season, which is just a completely different lifestyle. You know, this guy played 20 minutes a night or 30 games. You wonder how he's going to hold up next year. Hopefully they kind of ease him into it, but he's a big athletic guy. Um, He's got a decent shooting stroke. It's a little awkward to look at, but it goes in. Um, He shot around 40% from three. He plays Pretty good defense around the rim. On eventually, probably should be able to switch on pick and rolls and stuff. A really versatile player. I think he fits in with Memphis pretty well. Can play like Marcus All is going to teach him a lot. Um, AJ, right? I know you watched a decent amount of him, probably Michigan State this year too, yeah. right? Like that's pretty. To me, this is like a prototypical Memphis Memphis pick because Memphis has been that team over the years. You know, gr- what, what was it, Grind City or or yeah. So they're teams that like to to just churn out games. That's what they like to do. And I think Jaron Jackson, that's what he's gonna bring to them. He he averaged just over three blocks a game. So he's gonna be able to, he's gonna play defense. Like you said, Josh, he hasn't played um just only over twenty minutes a game, so he only averaged five rebounds a game. So I expect the rebounding numbers to go up, you know, just being six eleven and being I think he's gonna spend a, a lot of his time under the hoop. And but to me, that's what this is. I think it's a a perfect fit with Memphis, like you said. I think Marcus All is going to tutor him well, whether it be he's playing the four alongside Marcus All or backing up Marcus All for the five. I think it's going to be go well for him. But I think that's just what this is. I think it's rebounding, defense, blocks. I think that's what you're going to get from Jaron Jackson. I think that's what Memphis really wanted. All right, and now at five, the Mavs technically took Trey Young but traded him for Luka Doncic, who I am being told by all my friends I'm going to love. I just saw a highlight video of him on YouTube. I have not seen him in game action. AJ, what do you think of Luca? What do you think his future is in the NBA? And honestly, my question is, how is he going to coexist with Dennis Smith Jr.? Because from what I'm told with Luca, he's best at creating having the ball in his hands. And Dennis Smith Jr. is going to need the ball in his hands. So this pick kind of baffles me just a little bit. I understand it because he's might be the best player in the draft, but I don't know if it goes well with their team. I like Luka Doncic a lot, and it's the fact that he's – it's not the fact that he's young because all these guys – you look at nine of the top ten picks where you're freshman or international. So, yeah, obviously you could say that about everyone coming in. Oh, he's he's only 18, 19. He's got so much upside. But Luka Doncic has been playing professionally in against probably what many consider to be the second best team – the second best league, I guess, in the world behind the NBA. He's been playing this professionally. He won for Real Madrid. He won the – Uh, Most outstanding player. He won a championship. So he's been doing this. He's been playing against the top talent and he looks the part. He can shoot. He can drive. He's not exactly the most explosive athletic type of guy that you're going to see with the ball, but he knows how to use his body. He's not methodical. He knows what he can do. He knows his limitations, I guess I would say. And like Josh said earlier, he's going to make everyone on the team around him better. I think he's going to be able to coexist with Dennis Smith. It might take a little bit getting used to grease the wheels a little bit but if anyone can make them work rick carlisle's a great coach but dallas the one they their head scratching move for me in the draft is the fact that they took three point guards they took they ended up taking luka Doncic here i know i said he's he's gonna be you know point guard to everything to small forward he's 
likes the ball in his hands. And then they take Jalen Brunson. And then uh, later they take Shake Milton, who was a point guard at SMU. So just after taking Dennis Smith, who looked very, who looked very good, they don't try to take any other positions. This draft was kind of head scratching to me. I know, I think Doncic is going to be a good pick. I, like I said, I think him and Dennis Smith will eventually coexist, but I almost feel like those other two aren't exactly wasted picks, but I feel like they could have gone somewhere else with them. All right, Josh, tell me about Luca. Yeah. Um, and just to, to your point of them coexisting, Rick Carler runs basically, he needs two ball handlers in his system. Last year, um, I, I actually went to a couple of Mavs games, ironically, because they were just playing in the cities that I was like traveling in. And if you watch them, like Yogi Ferrell, Devin Harris, J.J. Barea. J.J. Barea. Like, yeah, they made J.J. Barea and Yogi Ferrell work. And so, like, they all played alongside Dennis Smith. So now you're taking those minutes and giving them Luka Doncic. Like, basically, and you see it in the NBA all the time. You can't, like, the days of just having one guy initiate the offense is basically dead. Like, no one does that anymore. You need multiple ball handlers, multiple people that can create for others in order to work in the NBA. So I don't think coexisting is a problem because Dennis Smith did that last year with really lesser players than that. And then AJ touched on Luca. just he turned pro when he was like 13. And this past year, not only did he like, you know, he won the MVP, like he was the best player on this team that did really well in international play against the top competition. And he played alongside guys who, you know, some of them had a cup of coffee in the NBA, like Rudy Fernandez had a pretty decent NBA career for a while. Um, and then Gustavo Ion was in the NBA. Chasson Randall, I know, is a Temple guy. Anthony Randolph was drafted, and I'm pretty sure, the first round. Jeffrey Taylor, like they, he played with guys that are professionals. He saw what it's been about the past couple of years. You can't, you can't overstate that he's not going to hit a rookie wall. He played like 90 games this past year. That's it's crazy to me that someone like we talk all the time. Like most of the time, when guys go overseas to, they like skip high school, whatever it is, and they play overseas. Like they play like 18 minutes a game. They don't get a whole lot of experience. Um, and like he didn't shoot that well, but he's got a really nice shot. It looks like he's going to end up shooting a pretty good percentage. And he just – he's a really competitive dude. And uh, I loved the pick. Like I said, I think he's going to be one of the best players, if not the best player out of this draft. So I loved it for Dallas. All right, let's move on to the pick number six. The Orlando Magic took Muhammad Bamba, uh, who was shooting up the draft boards. I know there was some talk of him you know, moving up very quickly uh, approaching draft night. Another player I haven't seen, but I know that a lot, there's a lot of hype around him. AJ, I know the Magic, they really need guards. They're in need of a lot of different things, but they do have big men. That's the one thing they have. Was this just basically best player available? Yeah, I feel like that's the type of thing you're going for here. He needs to. I, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit. He's listed at 225 on the draft board, but I feel like that's probably a little, a little overselling it. But, I mean, Wendell Carter was there, so he might be your more prototypical center. Chicago took him next. We could talk about him. But I feel, like you said, flying up draft – he was flying up draft boards high. I think the big difference with him and Aiton was Aiton was more of like a bully ball bigger, plays stronger down low, whereas Wendell – or Wendell Carter – Mo Bamba is a little bit quicker. So I think Orlando – They've sounded like they've wanted to get away from Nikola Vukovic, who has been playing really well on their team. I, I like his game a lot. And if they want to get to that, you know, maybe they had their sights set on Trey Young and Atlanta, Atlanta snipes him right before. So I think that was kind of what it was. Maybe they didn't like uh, Colin Sexton as much, but I think this was more of a best player available because, like you said, they need the guards or the wing because Aaron Gordon might be gone this offseason as well. Yeah, this is, uh, like I said, Mo Bamba, I feel like he – could have went a lot of places and been done pretty well. I hated this pick. I didn't think it made any sense. Ooh, He's a, he is an athletic center who can block shots, 
but cannot has no offensive moves. He needs a point guard to help him. Who do the like the Magic don't have anyone? It's like you're totally gonna you're gonna stunt his growth over at least this year for sure, possibly the next two years. And it's really critical he doesn't you know get bad habits this year, you know, because so, like maybe he's all of a sudden gonna not want to play defense because he's not getting the ball. Like they don't have anyone to space the floor. Like it was really a head scratching pick to me. And even if you don't like, so say you don't like, you know, the Trey Young thing happens, like multiple people wanted to trade up in this draft. We saw it the entire night. I'm sure that like some point you could have gotten a package to just trade out of that or even before it. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like best player available. Like I don't know who I would have taken there to be honest. I might have taken a shot on Colin Sexton probably. That's probably who I would have picked there for the Magic instead, Um, which was I guess a bit of a reach. But like I said, I just think that that he's a guy that needs to go to the right place because at Texas, you saw he struggled offensively because their guards were kind of trash. And so basically he was good on defense, on offense. He they couldn't space the floor. So I I think the Magic are a train wreck. They have so many big guys now. Like he's behind Biombo and you know Gordon's there and he's small ball four. Like the Magic are just the dumpster fire. And this is exactly what the Magic did last year. They took the lanky, they took the long, lanky wingspan guy in Jonathan Isaac, and he he didn't really pan out as well this year. Yeah, I mean, he was hurt, I believe, for a, a little of the year too. Um, but yeah, he like it's the same thing. Like, and I'm pretty sure they just waived Shelvin Mack. I think the only point guard on their roster is like DJ Augustine right now. Yeah, it's, it's DJ Augustine. Yeah, yeah. Jim, the, pretty much everyone else is either a shooting guard on their team. So it's uh, in other words, the Magic aren't going to win a lot of games this year. <laughs> no, they're not. They're they're going to be top five pick again next year, and they'll probably take a athletic center. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Bulls at number seven, selecting Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke. Josh, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, uh, I loved this kid. I loved watching him all year. He like, um, just to put it for people that don't know, um, he was uh, a top 10 high school recruit coming out, committed to Duke. It was basically like he was going to be the man down low. Um, you know, They were going to run the team basically through him. He's a really skilled big, not as athletic, obviously, as some of the other guys we mentioned, but can use both hands, good touch, good feel. Um, Marvin Bagley, you know, reclassifies, comes in, becomes the guy. Wendell Carter doesn't gripe at all, sets all these screens, crashes the boards, gets on the offensive board to get his points. Like, didn't average a lot of points. When Marvin Bagley went out for those five or six games, he put up monster numbers. Um, he's just a guy who doesn't give a shit besides anything else besides playing basketball and trying to win, which I love that competition. Like, he's a really cute – he would – He's kind of got that chippy mentality about him where he doesn't take shit from anyone. I have a feeling in the NBA, like he'd stick up for his teammates with hard fouls, like kind of an older school type player. Um, I'm not sure about him and Markinen defensively together because I don't know who in that can step out. And like, because Carter, he's really smart defensively, but he's not as quick side to side. And Markinen, as we know, is kind of a liability defensively. So I worry about that. I do offensively, I think they're going to be great together because Carter's a really good passing big man too. I like the pick for the Bulls. I think Carter has a really safe floor. His ceiling probably isn't as high as the rest of the guys, but I think he's going to be an awesome pro. AJ, now you're a UNC fan. What do you think of Carter watching him against your favorite team? I actually like Wendell Carter. I don't mind him. I think Josh said it, like everything he said, he's a guy that wants to go out there and win, and that's what like that's what you need in like this. And I like the fit for Chicago. You know, like Josh said, the defensive side with their two bigs, Markinen, that – you know, it well, it's better than if it was Laurie Markinen and Marvin Bagley. We could do that, say that. But <laughs> I like – because it was a good fit for them. I think it fills – you know, 
Bull center was Robin Lopez. So you bring a young guy in there. Now they're looking at a lineup down the future. Wendell Cardo, Laurie Markkinen, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. I, I like where the Bulls are headed. I think this is a good I think this is a good pick for them in both need and the fact that he was probably the best player available given the fact that the Bulls weren't going to take a point guard. All right. Yeah. So moving on to number eight, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton. And I'm not going to ask the dumb question whether or not he's enough to keep LeBron around. I think that answer is a resounding no, so we don't even have to go there. But you guys have alluded that you think he's the best point guard in the draft. AJ, what did you see from Colin? I actually watched a couple of games, and I wanted the Knicks to get him. So I, I think really highly of him. I only saw like two or three games, but he seems like, you know, probably the best point guard in this draft. Yeah, I like Colin Sexton a lot. He is ferocious on the defensive end. He can get to the rim at will. He's quick and explosive like John like John Wall, I would say. So I think he was the best point guard in the draft. I think this is the exact pick that Cleveland needed with, with or without LeBron. I think if LeBron leaves, this gives them a good, you know, building ground to, to bring this to – build a team around him then. But like you said, I hate how they asked him that question right away. Like, oh, what's your pitch to LeBron? LeBron is not going to take what Colin Sexton says immediately after getting picked into effect when he does that. And it was like the first thing they asked him after getting drafted. But I love the pick because he steps immediately into the start, immediately into the starting lineup. And I think he could be a franchise type guy that you can build this team around. What do you think, Josh? Uh, I'm not as high as AJ on that. I think he's going to be a very good pro. Um, I think that it shows the Cavs thinking that they're probably not keeping LeBron because if if they think LeBron is staying, that it's a bad pick because Colin Sexton just – he's an okay shooter. I'm not sure he's a good enough shooter that you can really worry about him if LeBron's on the floor. So I think it really showed a lot with the Cavs thinking that they basically made this pick assuming LeBron's gone and they're like, you know – if he stays great, but if not, we're thinking about our future. Uh, I think he's a great character guy, which I don't think can go undersold really with these guys. Like certain guys you hear about, like, you know, their work ethic and stuff. Like, you know, this guy's going to come in and get better every year, which is what you want from a player on your team. Um, I, I don't think his ceiling is like, I don't think he's going to necessarily be like a guy who can lead you through like the playoffs and stuff like that. I think he's a great leader. I think he's, um, I think he's going to be a good pro. I don't know if he's can like carry the team and stuff like that. I think he, I think where he went was the right place. I like the, so the six to 10 range is where I kind of would have pegged him. Um, yeah. I like the pick for the Cavs moving forward, you know, for the future. I think what's a big factor for Colin Sexton. And part of the reason I like him so much was the fact that Avery Johnson coached him at Bama. So I think he probably learned, learned a lot from someone that played point guard in the NBA for such a long time. Yeah, and you can tell in his interviews, he's a really mature kid. He's intelligent. He knows a lot. So, and they say point guard, the learning curve is the highest for them because obviously you have to know so much. And they, like, I think the youngest uh, all pro ever to make point guard was like 22 years old. Like, no, like no one does it when they're young because you just, it's too steep of a learning curve. All right. So, let's move on to uh, the ninth pick. My favorite team, the New York Knicks, selected Kevin Knox from Kentucky. Of course, being the loyal Knicks fan that I am, I went onto YouTube. And Google, not well, YouTube, some highlights of him. Uh, I did not watch any Kentucky games this year, so I really wasn't sure what to think. I was telling Josh before the show that one thing that stood out to me was that he can score, but a lot of times like he missed open players, taking the ball to the hoop, taking difficult shots while players are cutting and they're opening, and that's a huge turnoff for me. Um, doesn't mean that I'm not going to like him. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a good pro. I just like to see team-oriented type players. I was hoping for Sexton or Mikel Bridges. We got Kevin Knox. Should I be happy as a Nick fan, Josh? 
I would say yes. Okay. Um, right. I think his he's I think he was the second youngest player in the draft, yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, yeah. which matters. I think he turns 19 in a couple of months. So I think that yeah. might be right. Um, but that matters to me because obviously he's got a lot of developing still to do in terms of his game. Um, I think Calipari ran a train wreck this year in Kentucky and didn't know who to play until like the last month of the season when they went on that run. So I think like the spacing of their team sucked. Like the point guards they were trying to figure out. Um, he's a kid who's six nine, long, can shoot. I think long term, if he works hard, which they said like his work ethic might be a problem. I hadn't heard that obviously before, like the draft shows and stuff. Um, they obviously come from somewhere, those whispers. But I think you put him next to Chris Stapps and you know, eventually he becomes a small ball four. I really like that lineup. Okay. Um, because I think, you know, he has said I think he can end up playing the four because he's long. Um, he can, you know, put some muscle on, he can shoot, he can spread the floor, and that seems where the game's going. I think it's a high upside pick for the Knicks, and I per- I personally liked it at that spot over who else they could have taken. So I I, I thought it was a good pick, even though some crazy fans booed because they always boo because they're Knicks fans. Yeah, we suck. AJ, <laughs> AJ, let me know what, what I should think about this pick because I, I haven't watched him play, so I'm not going to I think that's bound to be great because they just recently booed Chris Stapps, and now look how Chris Stapps turned out, turns out, and now he's the savior. Good so, point. <laughs> but this is what you wanted Colin Sexton. and that surprises me because they have Nilakina from last year. I remember doing I remember doing the uh, draft recap last year and you I like um, Frank. But he's not a point guard. You know, he doesn't really play the point guard position. He's more of a swing guard, it seems like, and I feel like Colin would fit that role a little better. Oh, and they passed on Dennis Smith Jr. to take Nil- to take Nilakina. Right. I remember you I remember you were up in arms about that last year. I That's was. What it was. <laughs> but, so I think they feel a need here, you know, like uh Veltri just said he can play alongside Chris Tess Porzingis, but you're also not getting the log jam in the backcourt, which you're going to have. So you have someone with the upside. He probably needs to hone his game a little bit because as we've talked about John Calipari before, might not be the best coach. He's a great recruiter, but he might not be the best coach. So I think he has a lot to learn about whether it be positioning or shot selection and stuff like that. But I, the Knicks could have done worse. <laughs> All right. So as we went to the 76ers who took Mikel, is that how you pronounce it? Mikel? Is it Mikel? I don't know. I thought it was Mikhail. Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. Um, and then they traded him to the Suns, which I found interesting because he's one of the few players, I mean, thanks to the tournament who I watch. And I thought he fit the team fine. It was, it was a cold move, too. His mom works, yeah, his mom in, works like, the, like in HR, and they were all happy. He went to his press conference yeah. talking about how so, happy he is to be home in Philly, yeah. and, and then he, they, he didn't even know it. Whew. So they traded him for uh, Zaire. Is that his name? Zaire Smith. Yeah. Um, why? AJ you, AJ, you like this move, right? You do? AJ, explain to me I like, why. I like this move Move for Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. That's what – because – so they gave up an additional 2021 first-round pick, which if, I don't think it was even theirs to begin with. Is, am I right on that? It, no, it's the Heat's. Yeah, so it's the Heat 2021 first-round pick. And Phoenix unprotected, here – Unprotected, though. It's unprotected. Unpro- but you're giving them – you're getting – Phoenix is getting a proven winner – from Villanova at that level who can score, you know, he gives you someone that can play alongside Devin Booker alongside who was probably what many people considered the best prospect in the draft in Deandre Ayton. So you're hammering down your center position and you're getting a guy that is probably going to, he might not be a superstar in the NBA, but he could be a solid role player or a solid starter alongside Booker. So you're really hammering two, two spots out of your starting five for this in, in the top 10 picks. And I'd say, why not? You know, the fact that it's a 2021 heat pick, that doesn't matter to me. To me, that, 
that makes less sense for the Sixers, who just lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And you're not, you got to think now is the time for, to win for them. And they're still stacking picks for 2021. I think Mikael Bridges made more sense on the Sixers than Zaire Smith in a 2021 pick does. Yeah, I agree. When it happens, I remember just like, it was funny. My initial reaction was, what the hell is Philly thinking? Same thing you just said, because they were so close in the playoffs. You have these two cornerstone pieces in Embiid and Simmons, who seem to be ready to just shine in the moment right now. And you have Mikael Bridges, who just, you know, was on the biggest stage at Villanova, proved he doesn't need the ball. He's fine doing the little things. Um, And then I kind of read up a little bit, like Zaire Smith basically is a, He's a defensive. He's a very athletic guy. Defense first. Like I don't know if any like if you guys saw any of the highlights from him. He's one of like I saw he caught an alley oop and did a three sixty in the game because the alley oop was too far was too that far was behind the, him. The dunk of the NCAA tournament. I remember. I remember watching that yeah. dunk and being like, "You guys it, see that?" It was, it was insane. So like he's an he's the best athlete in the draft. I feel pretty confident in saying that after watching him play. Like he only he shot forty percent from three, but he only took only, he only attempted like one per game. He averaged like 11 points per game. He's a guy that's going to take a few years. If you're Philly, like I said, why take a guy that's going to take a few years and you can get that person, maybe not as high of a ceiling, and Mikael Bridges. And I, the pick is huge because 2021 is an unprotected Heat pick. Right now, the Heat, they didn't get a pick this year. They're looking to trade Winslow. Like Their team's kind of in shambles. But 2021 could possibly be the first draft that high school kids – are allowed to enter. So you'd have the kids from high school and the kids from college. They're calling it like Bill Simmons referred to it as the double draft on his podcast, where you'd have twice the amount of prospects coming in. So it, it, if, if that's true, it's a very valuable pick. I have a friend that's a huge Sixers fan, and he said right after they traded for Zyra Smith, he did the same thing Josh did. He went and watched a bunch of, bunch of video on YouTube, and he said the one thing he said about him was, if you locked him in a gym overnight and told him he couldn't dunk, he would struggle to get 300 points. All right, let's move on to the Hornets. AJ, your favorite team, and this is the part of the podcast where I just don't know how to pronounce names. <laughs> who they? What's this guy's name? Shy. They took Shy Gildas Alexander, who was then traded to the who was then traded to the Clippers. Right. So that's what. So SGA Charlotte ends up. Just call him SGA. Yes, yeah, SGA. SGA. So I mean, Charlotte doesn't really get anything, right? Who do they trade him for? Miles Bridges and two second round picks. Okay, so that's how, what they how got in return. That? So basically, why didn't they just take? They, t- they didn't take Miles because they wanted the second round picks because Miles went next. They could have just took him at 11, but I guess getting – They must have. Yeah. Miles Bridges was their guy the entire time. That was really what they needed. They need um, they need a forward that can shoot. Obviously, they have Kemba Walker, so who, where is he going to go? They still have Nick Batum right now. He's on a huge contract. They've been trying to unload contracts. They just unloaded Dwight Howards for Timothy Mozgov, who Mitch Kupchak just loves apparently – signs him to that lucrative contract and then trades for it. Yeah. But this is what they needed. They, they finally get a guy on the wing that can shoot, not Michael Kid Gilchrist with it, that hitch in his shot. <laughs> yeah. So they get Miles Bridges. I think it's a guy he's, – he's athletic. He can rebound the ball. He plays big, and he can shoot from outside and, mid, and mid-range. So I think this is really what Charlotte needed. I expected – the Hornets to be better than they were last year. And they really let me down. So I think if you can put him, you know, Malik Monk, they took last year when they could have had Donovan Mitchell. So that's hindsight, Josh. Yes. Hindsight's 2020, everybody. There you go. But I like the pick for the Hornets. I think it's a good clip. I think he can, a good pick. I think he can either step into the starting lineup if need be, or he comes off the bench and he brings them scoring off the bench. I hope him and Malik Monk can pair well together and start bringing some offense to that team because they struggled mightily. 
Nice. All right. And then the Clippers had two picks. So they, I guess they get Shy Gillis, Gilly, how do you say? SGA. So they get SGA and they get Jerome Robinson from Boston College. Josh, do you think that is, I mean, I, I don't know these players. So let me know if they fit Los Angeles. Like what's going on in LA right now? It, it was interesting how they traded. Like, like, I mean, the second round picks, I guess, but I didn't see, I don't know why you would trade up a pick if, you know, you knew the Clippers wanted, or I thought, I'm sorry, the Hornets wanted Miles Bridges. I don't, I don't understand swapping 11 and 12 for the second round picks. That trade made no yeah, sense. No, to you can just, you wait for your guy. Um, and also just going back real quick, AJ, the Malik Monk pick ties back to your guy, MJ, who watched yeah. Monk torch UNC yeah. the year That's before. Fair. The whole the whole front office wanted Milk Mitchell. They told Mitchell they wanted him. Mitchell expected to go to Charlotte. And then at the last second, MJ overrode everyone and said, we're taking Monk. Oh, oh um, stab. So, yeah. So that kind of just ties everything together there. Um, but Jerome Robinson is a guy on Boston College. I watched him torch Duke pretty much over the past three years. It was he's basically like a Jamal Crawford type player. It was I thought this was really high for him because he's kind of a combo guard. Um, you know he can do things at all three levels. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is. He was great at Boston College his last year. Um, he can do everything you need. I thought it was kind of a reach for that. Um, SGA. When I did watch him, he reminded me of Michael Carter Williams, and I, that's what the comparison was. Uh, the awful Chauncey comparisons through the night—that was his comparison, um, which I actually thought made sense. People have said he's a lot smarter than MCW was. Ironic that they both have the three-letter nickname. Um, but I—I I didn't really like either of those picks for them, to be honest. I like Miles Bridges, the Hornets. I think he's going to be a, a solid pro. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. I thought both of those were kind of risky picks. SGA made sense. They need a point guard. Um, he is does have pretty high upside. He's a project though. He's like a six 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 seven guy, whose jumper is kind of iffy. So that always scares me when you say that about a guy. All right. Well, very interesting. I, I don't get the trade either, but I, I guess there's some logic to it. Uh, let's finish this off with. The lot. I mean, let's the lottery section at least. The Nuggets take Michael Porter Jr., who slid like crazy with his injuries. Um, I I I actually like this pick for the Nuggets. I I feel like when you're drafting 14, and there's you know this draft was not that strong to begin with. It wasn't weak, but it wasn't that strong. Just take a chance on Michael Porter Jr. See what happens. What do you think, AJ? I love it. I love exactly. You're exactly right. What do you have to lose at that point? The Nuggets were a borderline playoff team this pat this past year. So if Michael Porter Jr. if his back can, you know, if, if he can keep that healthy, I guess if he remains now, they said they're not even sure he's going to play this year. But you look at what the Nuggets have. They have Nikolai Jokic, who now they're going to decline his option and then sign him to a huge contract. So they're going to lock him down. He's the superstar of that team. They have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris who are hammers hammers in their guard slots. They have Paul Millsap right now. So I think this is a slam dunk pick because you're getting a guy that has top five player in the draft potential with the last pick in the lottery. This is a guy who was arguably the number one overall pick when he was being recruited coming out of high school. And you're getting them at 14. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I I think it's a steal. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I agree. I was surprised the Clippers didn't do it with one of their two picks. I thought for sure one of those two picks were doing it. And supposedly Steve Ballmer loves this kid. He watched him play in high school, and he was in love with him. And I guess that that word on the you know um, online and everything is that if the Clippers didn't take him, it must be because his medicals were really that scary to teams. So I agree with the Nuggets at that point. You know, you're basically taking a chance on any of these players. Why not take one with a huge upside? 
But I'll tell you what, it's scary to take a guy who might not play basketball for two full years, like a one before and then the whole next year and the last time he would have played would basically in high school. I don't even count those two, the two and a half college games he played where he looked like, you know, he yeah. was running with a stick up his ass. Like <laughs> he, he was not 100%. And um, also his personality got a really – like so he rubs people the wrong way. He's a very brash, arrogant kid, compared himself to Kevin Durant, yeah, T-Mac, and I forget the third. Um, Giannis, exactly. Like he compared himself to those three, but he said he was like better than each one in a certain way. It was like really bizarre. Like I like confidence in the kid, but you have to know also your audience and who you're talking to. Um, cause you know, for sure, all three of like, you know, got Durant and Giannis saw those quotes and they're going to remember that when they play him. Um, so I don't know. Like I said, I hope the best for him cause no one wants, we want to see these guys all succeed, especially no one wants to see him get hurt. Uh, it was a you know high risk, high reward. We'll see if it pays off for the Nuggets. All right. Well, that does it for the draft lottery. I mean, we could be here all day doing all the picks. So I'm just going to skip through everything and ask you guys uh, throughout the whole draft, what do you think the best pick was value wise? Maybe someone who wait who went late in the first round, maybe early second, that you think is going to help their team immediately. So AJ, I'll start with you. All right. So I have three picks in. After the lottery, one right after the lottery, one late first round, one early second that I really like. And the first one is Dante Divincenzo, and I really like him, as Josh said earlier, just because of the fit. I think this was a great pick for Milwaukee. They have been, you know, they've been the type of team to draft the same type of player year after year after year. At least that's w- what I see. You know, they're this long, lanky team. When you look at their, when you looked at their starting five, it was so long. They were starting like John Henson, Thon Maker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and then Jabari Parker was hurt. So I think they needed a splash player for their backcourt or. Maybe not a splash player, but an athletic player. They drafted DJ Wilson last year. Josh, I remember we were doing 10-minute drill on Anchor at that time. And DJ yeah. Wilson, I, I came on and I said, okay, that was my least favorite pick of the draft because I think that was just Milwaukee, you know, d- getting sucked into what they have been used to drafting. But I think they bucked their trend here with they, – they drafted an athletic guard that can shoot. I like the DiVincenzo pick just because of his fit in Milwaukee. Anywhere else he goes, I'm not sure if I love it. But I really like his fit in Milwaukee. The other one in the end of the first round was Robert Williams. I think this is exactly what Boston needed. You know, they had he has Al Horford to sit behind now. They have a truce. They have a true power forward center, big guy that they can bring off the bench with all these guards and and young guards and wing players that they have. And now they're not maybe they're, you know they're not stuck playing Aaron Baines. Who no offense to Aaron Baines, but Giannis Antetokounmpo almost murdered him like seven times throughout the course of the season. <laughs> Oh, and okay. then one beginning of the third round or beginning of the second round. I like the Javon Carter pick for Memphis. I think that's just, you know, he played. We, I talked about the grinded out type of basketball that Memphis plays when I talked about uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Javon Carter, four year player at West Virginia. That's exactly what he was. I think if you watch him play at West Virginia and you said, what NBA team would you want this kid to play on or get him to want him to get picked by? I think it would have been Memphis. And I think that's going to be a good pick for them. All right. What about you, Josh? Uh, AJ just touched on – I liked Robert Williams Javon Carter. I thought both of those were really great picks. Uh, I thought the Thunder uh, with Devin Hall late in the second. Uh, we saw Malcolm Brogdon a couple of years ago. The Virginia kids, you know, because of the system they play in, they don't put up huge numbers. Um, they kind of, you know, they don't get a huge chance to show what they can do. They play defense, and Devin Hall was, an, was a knockdown shooter. He get to the hoop, great athlete. I thought, you know, getting him towards the end of the second round, the Thunder needs shooting. They need defense. I thought that was a really great pick. They also got Kevin Hervey um, from Texas Arlington, who was supposed to be kind of a sleeper going in. 
Um, and the other ones I liked, and normally I'm surprised I'm saying this because I normally uh, I'm not a fan of Calipari and Kentucky players, but I think Calipari kind of butchered the stock of like Jared Vanderbilt and Diallo. And uh, the Nets have all the Nets have done a good job on taking flyers and guys like Spencer Dinwiddie a few years ago out of Colorado. Um, both those guys kind of played in a system that didn't show off their skills, which is what you're looking for in these second rounds. They're kind of you know players that maybe played out of position or were asked to do different things than they would in the NBA. Um, oh, and the other one too, I'm not. I don't know a whole lot about him, but just from reading up on him, uh, Eli Okobo on the, the Suns, basically, we talked about them needing a point guard. And it seemed like this guy, he was someone who didn't do anything great, but did everything well. And he could be someone who, uh, you know, picked the first round, the first pick of the second round, could be someone the Suns could eventually use as maybe a starter going forward because they don't need a stud there. They have studs everywhere else. You need to see someone that's going to get everyone else the ball and make smart plays. Um, so I thought, I I mean, I thought the Suns were just huge winners in the draft in general. They got a lot of pieces for their team. They have a really young, exciting team, um, that hopefully they don't fuck up because it would be really cool to see all those young pieces kind of grow together. All right. Sounds good guys. Thanks. I think I learned a lot about this draft. I mean, I, like I didn't watch any college basketball and I feel like I had to do a draft episode and I know you guys are huge fans. Josh is a Duke fan. AJ's a UNC fan. So that actually makes it fun to see you guys group chat. It's always fun, <laughs> those, those game nights. Um, yes, it is. Uh, ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year, by the way. Let's go. So, I mean, I, I think I think you guys are right, though. If, if it went into the playoffs, I think. Oh, if it goes into the playoffs, it's got to be Mitchell. Yeah. It has to be. But, uh, guys, I want to thank you for coming on. You can follow Josh at JVeltry on Twitter. AJ's at AJKelly76. The Dime is at the Dime NBA on Twitter. Um basketball season's over i don't know if i'm gonna have any more podcasts i'm sure i'll have something when lebron signs to wherever he signs but from that point on who knows uh hit up the dime hotline 805-826-3463 and maybe if you leave enough questions i'll have an episode with that but aside from that just follow me on twitter at josh underscore rodriguez underscore and be on the lookout for more episodes all right aj josh thanks for coming thanks for joining thanks for having us thanks guys enjoy the off season everyone All right, take care. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.